And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 380. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. So happy weekend, everybody. Hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. As you listen to this, I will actually be out of state for the first time since lockdown. I'm actually going on a little kind of a little road trip and I'm not going very far. I'm only going into Michigan and just kind of kicking around for a few days in the countryside away from people. Basically, I just need to get out of Chicago for a few days. Not that I don't love Chicago because I do, but because I'm going a little bit stir crazy from you know, sheltering in place and, and that kind of thing. And hopefully everything will go well. Um, but, you know, hey, if not, I can always come back here. I'm going to have a, a rental car and I'm going to be sticking to the coast of Michigan, uh, kind of going around the edges and just having some quiet time in the country. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. Anyway, so that being said, we do have an issue of Thor to cover. So let's go ahead and move along to our review. And this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 408. Cover art is by Ron Friends, inked by Joe Sinnott. Shows Thor, and he is fighting against the mongoose in the foreground. We have Eric Masterson kind of sprawled out. Why is it that Eric Masterson doesn't wear anything on the cover that he's wearing inside the book? Very strange. That's, that's been true for a few of these covers. But anyway, uh, he's wearing a purple jacket and sort of greenish-blue pants and a bright chartreuse tie. If he's wearing that inside the book, I'm going to be really disappointed. Hercules is kind of lurking in the background, and he's got a blurb. He's back! Hercules, Prince of Power. And uh, we have uh, apparently evil Odin cackling in the background, um, watching what's going on here. And the cover blurb says, See why we had to call this epic the fateful decision. Plus the power of Odin and the stunning savagery of the mongoose. Cover price of this was a dollar, and October 1989 was the cover date. We open up to the splash page where we have the credits. Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends were the creators. Joe Sinnott was the finished artist. Michael Heisler was the letterer. Tom Vincent was the colorist and editor was Ralph Macchio, and the title of the story is, as it says on the cover, The Fateful Decision. We see Hercules Thor, the High Evolutionary, and Eric Masterson returning to Earth from a black galaxy, and Hercules is bounding ahead of everybody else, looking very pleased in a very curbyish pose. Let the trumpet sound! 
and let the heralds proclaim the glorious news. Hercules, the prince of power, hath finally returned to the planet Earth. And Eric says, you tell him, Herc, but don't forget the rest of us. Forgive me, Eric Masterson. "'Twas mere exuberance and not disrespect which caused me to o'erlook thee, "'as well as the mighty Thor and the high evolutionary. "'And I guess they're in Wondegorg. "'Yeah, they're in Wondegorg. "'They're surrounded now by all the animal people. "'High evolutionary looking a lot smaller than all of the animal people. "'I don't remember that being... "'I thought he was a big guy, but maybe I'm just thinking of... "'made smaller during the evolutionary war. "'I don't remember, anyway. Um... So they're all standing in the middle of Wondegore in a big cluster and all the animal men are greeting uh, the high evolutionary and Hercules and Thor are kind of lurking in the back and then uh, Eric Masterson's in the foreground and we have a uh, dialogue here. He's thinking to himself, this is incredible. We were standing in the center of the black galaxy only moments ago. Then whammo, some crazy device teleports us back to Wondegore the home of the high evs, genetically accelerated new men. I can't wait to get home so that I can tell my son Kevin about all this. And one of the knights says, Master, you're back. We had almost despaired of ever seeing you again. Never fear, old friend. The high evolutionary will always return. We must honor this joyous homecoming in a matter befitting the occasion says Hercules. Bring on the dancing girls, the minstrels, and an ocean of wine. And the evolutionary says, You can celebrate later, Hercules. The rest of us wish to freshen up. Thor, I owe you a great debt. I would still be trapped within the black galaxy if not for you. All life is precious, says Thor. Even the life of one who would arrogantly attempt to control the destiny of the entire human race. We shall talk later, says the evolutionary. A servant will now see to your needs. And he goes off. And we see the mongoose, and he's lurking above, hidden in the pipes up in the ceiling where rafters would be, but it's just pipes here. And he's thinking to himself, His needs are few, for he shall soon die beneath the claws of the mongoose. And we shift scenes then to Asgard and the bedchamber of Odin. And Odin is in his racing car bed, which uh, looks like a, a ship, and it has a figurehead of a horse with antlers on it. So, yeah, not the best design, but, but yeah, I guess, it, I guess it fits with the Silver Age look that they're going for. And Odin is having a temper tantrum, and he's like, away with thee, and he's throwing a plate of some sort of green food, um, and uh, <laughs> the, the vizier is there, and there's guards and things here. Odin the Almighty is not to be treated like an invalid. And the vizier tries to calm him down. Calm thyself, sire. Thou must needs conserve thy waning strength. Only thy sacred Odin sleep can restore thy rightful power. Bah! In my condition, such a sleep could last for months or years. I must remain ever vigilant. Ere since Asgard fell into the negative zone, passage to the mortal plane hath been denied us. An enchantment in my son's hammer will permit Thor to make the journey one final time. At last, at long last, the Thunder God must choose between his homeworld and the people of Midgard. I must remain awake to learn his fateful decision. And the vizier is thinking to himself, I pray that he decides wisely, or a father's heart shall e'er be broken. And we shift back to Earth, and we're back in Wondegore, 
and, uh, and Thor is uh, shaving his beard and he's looking in a mirror and we have a sort of a mouse person attending to him. And Hercules is aghast by this. Eric Masterson is just kind of looking on, uh, you know, just enjoying the, uh, the banter, I guess. By the horned wreath of Proteus, it cannot be. Tis sacrilege to shave thy noble beard. Such facial growth was a symbol of manhood to the Vikings, of virile strength and power. Aye, but an Asgardian am I, not a Viking, says Thor. Though the Norsemen worship my people, many of our traditions and beliefs are quite different. Bah, a mere detail. Thou hast the fashion sense of a blind ogre. No one else would parade around in a gaudy crimson cape and an absurd winged helmet. And Eric Masterson is, is laughing openly at this. Then Thor gets a, a dizzy spell. And uh, yeah, remember we, he was having dizzy spells earlier? So this seems to be a continuation of that plot. And Eric notices that he seems uh, off for a moment. And he's like, you all right, big fella? Looks like you cut yourself. And uh, Thor says... "'Tis nothing, Eric, a momentary clumsiness. And he thinks to himself, "'I dare not reveal that I have of late "'begun to experience sudden dizzy spells "'whenever I'm on earth, "'but I know not the why or wherefore. "'Mayhap these seizures are symptoms "'which mean that Thor must leave this mortal world "'and return to Asgard forevermore. "'And we see the mouse uh, guy taking the shaving bowl away so apparently Thor did cut himself which is, is kind of interesting but anyway he carries it to um, a Sir Tigor I believe his name is and the mouse guy's like behold the shaving bowl contains hair tissue and blood samples from the thunder god excellent with the genetic material contained herein our master can develop a new race of immortals new gods to replace the old and we shift scenes to a different part of Wendigore, and Thor and company are getting ready to depart, and the High Evolutionary is there, and some of his knights, and Hercules, and of course Eric Masterson. Thor, I have summoned you and your companions because the time has come for us to part. These atomic steeds have enough fuel to take you to a nearby city where you can make whatever travel arrangements you require. We shall go, says Thor, but I leave thee with this parting thought. Meddle no more in the natural evolution of mankind, or face the wrath eternal of the son of Odin, for they are under my domain. Do not worry. The human race has nothing to fear from the high evolutionary. I have other projects to concern me now, such as a detailed study of the unique life forms which are evolving within the black galaxy. It should prove quite interesting. Now... If you will excuse me, my work awaits. Aye, says Thor. And he goes taking off on one of the atomic steeds with Eric uh, clutching him from behind. And for some reason, he's whipping his hammer around. Not really sure why, because he's just kind of flying off on the uh, robot horse thing. Hurry, he says. We must put a great distance between ourselves and Wondergore. Why? What's the rush? And uh, they, they get a fair distance away, and then there's a giant bar room, big explosion, and it appears that Wondegore is secretly a giant spacecraft. From his words, twas obvious that the High Evolutionary intended to leave this area. And all of Wondegore now takes off like a giant missile off into the sky, 
and Eric is always oh, Eric is wearing some sort of a crash helmet or oxygen helmet or something. Anyway, uh, he's saying, "What a sight! It is so unbelievable and so beautiful." Where is he going? Do you really think he'll return to the Black Galaxy? Who can say, Eric, says Thor. The possibilities are as endless as the natural wonders and stunning glories of the universe itself. When I think of all that I've seen and experienced the last few days, wow, it will almost seem strange going back to living the life of a simple architect. But to tell the truth, I can't wait to get home to my son. And, and as he says that there's a giant kaboom and a blam. And the steeds that uh, Hercules and Thor are riding explode. And they're all in midair and, and falling. It looks like Hercules is stunned. And he, he's just falling, going, Ugh! And uh, Thor just grabs uh, Eric and he uh, takes off using his hammer. And he says, Have faith, Eric. The god of thunder will protect thee. What about Hercules, says Eric? He took a serious hit and fell into that ravine. Fear not. The son of Zeus has survived far worse mishaps. And they land on a cliff face, and uh, Thor says, At last we have reached level ground. But where is our mysterious attacker? Why does he not show himself? And Eric hears something apparently. Listen, something's coming. Sounds like a squadron of fighter jets. And it turns out to be a big green spaceship sort of thing. And inside it is the mongoose. So obviously the mongoose was the one who attacked them. It is far worse than that, Masterson. Mongoose is back. You and the Thunder God humiliated me and turned Wondergore against me. I can only regain my honor and self-respect by crushing you. And this asteroid blaster which I borrowed from Wondergore should easily accomplish that task. Uh, the Mongoose isn't very smart, is he? Anyway, there he's driving straight at Thor. He's uh, going to just plow him over with this uh, asteroid blaster. And the Thor just leans back with his hammer and says, Nay, Mongoose, I say thee nay, though thy craft is quite fearsome and deadly. None can stand against the invincible hammer of Thor. And with a scrap cow, he just completely destroys it with one blow. And there's green sh shreds of metal flying everywhere. And Mongoose apparently is not harmed. He's landing uh, easily on his feet. And he's saying, You may have demolished my warcraft as guardian, but I have a dozen more ways to kill you. These gas pellets will leave you dazed and disoriented. And he throws these gas pellets at him, and they're going poom, poom, poom around him, and creating this sort of light blue smoke. And uh, he says, While I use my own natural super speed to pummel you mercilessly. And he's going around. Thor, uh, kind of like the Flash. I didn't realize he was that fast. But anyway, he's going, whack, 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 whack. And he says, I can land a hundred blows before you can even aim one. Not even a god can take this type of punishment for long. And he's uh, just racing around in circles, Flash-like. And uh, Thor uh, grabs his hammer, and he's uh, thinking to himself, never did I dream that Mongoose was so formidable a foe. Even without his uncanny speed, his strength is easily the equal of a deadly rock troll. Already he hath battled me to the ground, but I must ignore the pain, the darkness. I must reach my hammer. So be it, and he grabs it, and he bangs it twice on the ground, batam, batam. But now, by the golden spires of eternal Asgard, shall the mighty Thor strike. 
And because he banged his hammer twice, it starts to storm, which is the hammer's ability. And the mongoose is confused by this. This is not a power he uses that often, is it? And uh, so it's all raining, and the mongoose is like, What the? Where'd this rain suddenly come from? Oh, no. The ground's turning to mud. C- can't keep my balance. So a little mud is enough to slow down the mongoose. Anyway, I don't know how you caused that sudden shower, but it won't do you any good. The Wondagorians actually use this little apparatus to drill into the earth and smash through solid rock. And it's this sort of ray beam thing that he has attached to his wrist. Let's see what it does to a thunder god. And Thor gets knocked back with a uh, and drops his hammer again. And um, he, he seems like he might be hurt, but he's not, you know, he's not really showing that. But uh, the uh, blaster is still blasting at him and hitting the rock with a kazak. And we can see Masterson is watching from a distance. Very impressive, says the mongoose. You managed to survive this time, but I shall soon have you on your knees. And we see Kazak, Kazak. On your knees! That's how I want you to die. Begging. Beaten. And Eric is uh, watching and he's thinking to himself, Do something, Thor. Anything. You're the hero, not me. I'm only an average guy, scared out of my mind. You gotta save yourself because I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't just stand by and watch you die. Leave him alone. And he jumps out and he lands on the mongoose's back with a thwomp. And mongoose is not too bothered by this. He just throws him aside with a thwack. And he says, pitiful fool. I should gut you for that useless gesture. But you just aren't worth the effort. And he smashes Eric up against the uh, the stone wall. This throws him right to where Thor is. And Thor is still stunned by the attack from earlier. And the mongoose is gloating. It is pointless to continue, Thor. I fear that you will never cower before me. I must be content with the fact that at point-blank range, even a thunder god can die. And he's getting ready to blast him with the, the thing. And Eric Masterson's like, stop it. No, the mongoose is not taking that seriously. And he's like, be silent, Masterson, before I... No, no. And he says, I warned you, mongoose. And he grabs Thor's hammer, interestingly enough, and he lifts it. And Thor is thinking to himself, yes, yes, come, Mjolnir, come to thy master. And uh, so I, I maybe Thor is controlling the hammer, even though Eric is holding on to it. Eric is like, I said stop. And he uh, kind of swipes at the mongoose, but apparently misses. And the mongoose just blasts him instead of Thor with his uh, ray blaster thing. And it uh, looks like he, it shredded all of uh, Masterson's clothes. And the mongoose is like, so much for your futile moment of glory. A blast designed to kill Thor can certainly dispose of you. And Thor's like, Eric, there's a sudden blah and a bunch of uh, boulders are flying at the mongoose, and it turns out to be Hercules has kicked these boulders, uh, big green ones, at uh, the mongoose. Enough! Let all villainy cease, says Hercules. So commands the Prince of Power. And the mongoose is thinking to himself, it's Hercules. He's recovered from his fall. And then uh, the mongoose starts to run away, and Hercules is uh, taunting after him. Run! Flee in mortal terror! For none may withstand my shattering wrath. 
And Mongoose is thinking, it's no use. I'm not prepared to face Thor and Hercules together. I must escape while it is still possible. And he goes running away. And uh, Hercules is helping Thor up and sees, you know, his, Thor's face is all scratched up a little bit. And uh, looks like Eric Masterson is, is laying there dying. And Hercules says, the villain hath fled like the wind. Forget him, says Thor. Tis Eric we must attend. He fell in my behalf. "'Twas a fatal blow, I fear,' says Hercules. "'There is naught we can do for this gallant warrior. "'So tragic and fleeting is a mortal's life. "'No, no, he must not, he shall not die,' says Thor. "'And Eric is lying there and dying, and he says, "'Find my son, Thor. "'Tell him how much I love him. "'Please watch over Kevin. "'He's so young, has so much to learn. "'I won't.' I can't. Courage, my friend, says Thor. By all the power in my hammer, I swear I... Odd's blood! All is not lost! Mjolnir hath been enchanted so that I can bridge the infinite gulf to Asgard one last time. Though I cannot save thee, there be one who can. One who doth possess power beyond measure and wisdom beyond reckoning. Odin, the All-High. And he shoots the spell or whatever it is out of his um, hammer... An opening in the clouds opens up, and there's sun streaming through, and uh, you know the Odin power or whatever is shining through. And Hercules says, "A distant rumble shakes the heavens. A golden light pierces the clouds. What madness is this? The madness of courage and honor," says Thor. And we see the eyes of Odin, and he's shouting, "Who summons the Lord of Asgard? Has a decision been reached?" Will my errant son finally return to his rightful home world? And Thor says, Nay, father, I have called upon thee to beg for the life of this dying mortal. Spare him. Heal his grievous wounds. Twas my final contact, thy last enchantment, and thou plead for another. And it says in the caption here, For a seemingly eternal moment, the Allfather gazes at his imploring offspring, and then, There is a way, he says, but the cost is as incalculable as it may be irrevocable. And Thor says, He sacrificed himself that I might live. By all the nine worlds, Thor will do anything to save him. Anything. So be it, says Odin. The die is cast, the decision made. Thou our paths may ne'er cross again. I shall honor and love thee always. Fare thee well, Thunder God. Fare thee well, my noble son. And we see that there's a uh, a Kirby crackle around this very odd-looking mountaintop where they find themselves. I don't think any of the Alps look like that, but yeah, it's Kirby-ish Alps, so I guess that's why. And we shift scenes to Asgard, and Odin is standing there surrounded by green Kirby crackle. Uh, The vizier there is also with him. My lord... What hast thou wrought? I have merely granted my son his wish, a true reason to be bound to the mortal world forevermore. I have been humbled and shamed by my son's selflessness and his unswerving devotion to duty. It was always my dream that he would eventually rule Asgard in my place, that he would become a symbol of honor and nobility to our people. Now I do see his dreams go far beyond this kingdom, 
The light of his desire for truth and justice must blaze across the universe entire. With each passing moment, we drift farther from the mortal plane. Asgard shall endure without Thor, but we are lessened by his absence. Truly, he was the noblest Asgardian of all, and we may ne'er see his like again. And we see Asgard kind of drifting off further into the negative zone. And we shift scenes, and we are back on Earth and the home of Eric Masterson. And so we, we are um, at the home, and we have Hercules and apparently alive Eric Masterson arriving at the house. And uh, Susan, or whatever her name is, is like, relax, they'll be here soon. They called from the airport. Listen, someone's at the door. It's Dad. And Susan's thinking to herself, because she's really shallow in this way, I wonder if Eric will notice my new hairstyle. I got it done especially for his homecoming. Hi, everybody. We're finally home, says Eric. And uh, Kevin's like, Wahoo! Gosh, I missed you. Me too, little man, says Eric. Kevin, Susan, I want you to meet a friend of mine. Her, er... Harry, Harry Cleese. Ms. Austin helps me with my architect business and watches Kevin when I travel. Eric described thee well, beautiful lady, but his words were woefully inadequate. Oh my, you are quite the charmer, says Susan. And Eric is thinking, oh brother, how can she buy that corn? And we see that uh, Eric is carrying a very familiar looking walking stick. Um, Yeah, it seems like we've seen this in the series sometime before. Neat walking stick, Dad. Where'd you get it? And where's Thor? You were supposed to be traveling with him. Where is he anyway? And Hercules and Eric kind of give each other a, a meaningful look and don't reply. And we get a uh, what looks like a post. It looks like a postcoital scene, but it's it's not. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the afterglow here. Uh, we've got Eric and Hercules standing on the balcony uh, having a little bit of a tender moment. And uh, Hercules is saying, uh, Susan has left and Kevin is finally abed. There is much we must discuss, my friend. But methinks morning will come soon enough. Now thou must need be alone. Thanks, Herc. Thanks for everything. And Hercules goes off, uh, don't know where. He's right, thinks Eric. I have so many questions to answer. Where do I go from here? What's supposed to become of me now? And how will I ever learn to cope with Odin's solution? So many incredible things have happened to me in the last few days. So many mind-staggering sights. So many changes. No one could have predicted the greatest change of all. No one could have foreseen the tragic chain of events which would completely change the destiny of an average guy like Eric Masterson. And he takes the staff and he bangs it on the ground and then uh, turns into... Thor, and he says out loud, and merge him body and soul with the mighty Thor. Now more than ever before is the god of thunder tied to the planet Earth. As a mortal man, I now share the hopes, dreams, and fears of all mankind. As an immortal of Asgard, tis my duty and privilege to protect the innocent, to defend the helpless, to punish the guilty. Dedicated am I to uphold my sacred responsibilities. So swears the son of Odin. So swears the mighty 
Thor, and Thor goes flying off, leaving Kevin all alone in the apartment. I'm assuming the Hercules left like he said he was going to. Next issue, a new era begins with the return of an old enemy, Dr. Doom. Enough said. Now, we are not going to be covering that next time, and who knows if we'll ever be covering that. Anyway, he goes flying off, and that is The Mighty Thor number 408. But wait, we have a Tales of Asgard backup. So, this Tales of Asgard backup is called There Dwells a Monster. Written by Tom DeFalco, penciled by Mike Mignola, embellished by Bob Wyacek, lettered by Mike Heisler, colored by Wright and Vincent, and edited by Ralph Macchio. We have a group of round-headed trolls who look oddly familiar with their sawed-off horns, which I think this artist is very well acquainted with. We see Thor as he is being marched down by the trolls into this cavern, and they are saying, To the lower depths with his arrogant youth, to the very heart of our underground kingdom. The fool thought to end our daily raids on the Asgardian countryside, but only succeeded in becoming our prisoner. What hath suddenly become of his boisterous tongue, his strutting manner? Beware, troll, says Thor. Though thou hast seemingly bested me in mortal combat, my spirit remains unbroken and unbowed. Because remember, it's supposed to be young Thor here. Silence! Profane not our ears with such meaningless prattle. Soon enough thy spirit be crushed, and thy tongue forever stilled. To thy knees, dog! Thou hast entered the terrifying presence of his magnificence, Grundor the Greater, son of Grundor the Great. And we see Grundor the Greater sitting on his throne, wearing one of Odin's old headpieces from the looks of it. It looks very much like something that Kirby would have put on, uh, on Odin's head, which has not only horns but wings, and two sets of horns at that, anyway. Uh, so he's standing there looking very, I'm a royal troll-ish. And he's got his own version of the, the vizier who uh, is kind of staring at, uh, at Thor, who is chained to the sort of log thing behind his back. And the vizier says, Behold, Supreme One, the prisoner awaits thy fearful judgment. Death shall be the sole reward for all who defy us, but mercy could prevail. Beg, youth, beg for thy miserable life, and mayhaps I shall grant thee the rare privilege of serving as my personal slave. Thy generosity is most overwhelming, says Thor. Truly art thou the king of fools. And he smashes the uh, thing that's, that's uh, holding his arms and uh, just, yeah, just utterly destroys it. Deliberately did the Thunder God allow himself to be captured so that he could end the treacherous raids at their source. And one of the trolls uh, attacks him because he's free now and he's uh, shouting, Get back, Kerr! None may threaten the Sovereign Supreme of all the true rock trolls. None save the son of Odin, the mighty Thor. And he goes kapwak and we see the, the uh, soldier go flying. Very, very... Uh, lively layout there of this fight. I really kind of like it. And we'll talk about more of that at the end. Now shall faithful Mjolnir be removed from beneath my cape. And there's an uh, because he has been attacked by some sort of a bulldozer 
cannon thing which is shooting ray beams at him with a poom. And thou shalt die, Asgardian, says one of the trolls. No mere surface dweller can resist the pounding fury of our dreaded Dragon Canyon. Not so, unsightly one, says Thor. Thou hast not reckoned with the power of mine invincible Uru Hammer. And he goes thwang, and he just destroys the, the Dragon Cannon thing with one blow. And uh, we see the hammer returning to Thor's hand. A worthier weapon exists not in all the nine worlds. For there be no substance stronger or more impervious than pure Uru metal. Enchanted by my almighty father, Mjolnir possesses an array of astounding abilities. See how it summons the lightning, which is the true birthright of the god of thunder. And there's a crack of boom, and he summons a bolt of lightning down, which not only throws all of the trolls aside, but it actually breaks the cliff that he's standing on. And, he, and the rock is just kind of uh, floating in the midair. And he says, Behold its unrelenting fury. And he grabs the, the king by his uh, cape and is uh, kind of dangling him over the edge of the cliff. And uh, Thor says, Hold, Grundor, thy subjects may flee, but thou must answer for thy crimes against the realm eternal. Spare me, noble one, harm me not. Physical combat is for warriors, not kings. Why didst thou raid our countryside, says Thor? No choice had we. A terrible demon drove us from the caverns below, forcing us to turn toward the surface world for food. Beware, Thunderer, so powerful is this creature, so fearsome its fury, that Asgard itself may soon be endangered. Where dwells this monster, says Thor? Below, far below, and across the chasm of eternal sorrow. And uh, so Thor apparently has asked the king to show him where this uh, monster was. And so the two of them are going over this very Dr. Susian rock bridge thing in the middle of a big old cavern. Very effective use of, without, without even using very many lines. There's not a lot of backgrounds in the story in general, but you can see Mignola is making a very good use of the very spare uh, lines that he has here, which is, I guess, is, is really the, the hallmark of a good artist. This is most unseemly, says the king. Kings are valued for their statescraft, not their endurance. Another should thou have chosen to lead thee, one who is far more expendable. And we hear a loud thump, thump, thump. Listen, the monster is nigh. We must flee. Nods, stand fast, troll, says Thor. The son of Odin retreats not from an unseen menace. Justice shall prevail so long as the god of thunder wields his invincible Uru hammer. And there's a big explosion. Uh, and the big, um, uh, yeah, a big burst of light and boulders flying everywhere. And we get a, a voice. Who dares threaten the lord of the dark depths with such insufferable arrogance? I am Uruk, the Uru monster. My entire being is composed of precious Uru metal, and thy puny little weapon is as insignificant to me as is thy boasting tongue. Prepare to die, impudent one. Thou art not but a petty annoyance, and Uruk will crush thee. And Uruk is actually, looks just like a giant version of these trolls that we saw earlier. 
He's actually though gray instead of uh, the orangey color that the uh, that the rest of the trolls were, and the uh, king has just kind of fallen down and and faint or whatever, and Thor is going to face off against him, but we're going to have to wait to see how this ends, and of course that's not going to happen for a long time. So, anyway. To be continued. Maybe we'll we'll make a point of continuing the tales of Asgard uh, thing because I think I think this is probably only uh, a two part story. Actually, you know what? Let's go ahead and finish this story because it's probably going to be a very long time, if ever, that we're going to come back to this run. So uh, let's look at the second part of the Tales of Asgard story. This second part is coming from Thor number four oh nine. The creative team for this Tales of Asgard backup is Tom DeFalco, writing it. Mike Mignola penciling it, Bob Wyacek inking it, Bob Sharon coloring it, and Richard Starkings lettering it. Ralph Macchio, of course, was the editor. And we have To Fight the Unbeatable Foe is the name of the uh, story here. And we open up exactly where we left off. Thor and King Grundar, or yeah, Grundor, sorry, uh, are fighting the evil rock troll uru monster urok and he is smashing the ground with his fist and knocking them all uh over and thor is dodging his blow and uh urok uh, is uh, kind of scattering all these rocks and stuff aside and and uh, the king grundor is kind of running away a little bit it says determine the end Determined to end the trollish raids on the Asgardian countryside, the young thunder god invades their underground kingdom. But then... Arrogant cur, though thou didst capture Grundor the Greater, the self-proclaimed king of the rock trolls, and force him to lead thee here, it will avail thee not. Nice piece of um, exposition there. It actually doesn't come across as too clunky. Urok the Invincible is the true ruler of the underworld. My body is completely formed of indestructible Uru metal, and all who live will soon cower before me. Not so, monster. Though thy power is truly undeniable, tis the son of Odin who faces thee, says young Thor, and he zaps Urok with a shabwack. Uh, energy beam coming out of his hammer, which doesn't seem to slow Urok down at all. None may withstand the thunderous fury of my enchanted hammer. None save Urok. My Uru body can easily absorb the full force of thy terrifying blast and return it to thee. And he zaps the lightning blast uh, back at Thor and Grundor with a blam, sends both of them flying. Idiot! Give him not the means to destroy us, says Grundor. And there's a crack of boom. This is the uh, lightning that uh, Thor is summoning down, a storm uh, hitting uh, Urok, but it's not really having any effect other than making him uh, thrash around and knock down stalactites and all this stuff. And uh, Urok uh, now, granted, is going, And (laughs) Thor is thinking to himself, Grundor is right. Cautiously must I tread. The lightning which I have used my hammer to summon will not harm Urok, but it may serve to disorient him while I plan my next move. Always have I considered my Uru mallet to be unsurpassable, but even it is no match for an Uru monster. How came this creature to be? Thor says out loud. 
Tis a most sorrowful tale, says Grundor, and we get the origin of Grundor here in a few panels. Urak was much a Urak was once a valued and respected weaponsmith within my merciful domain, and we show him uh, uh, presenting the king with a uh, a weapon of some kind, and the king is going incompetent fool. Produce a weapon worthy of thy illustrious leader, or suffer torment eternal. At once, sire, says Urak. Determined to create the ultimate weapon, Urak scoured the underworld until he chanced upon a vast untapped deposit of Uru metal. Driven by unholy desires, he fashioned a monstrous form and used forbidden sorceries to transfer his consciousness into it. Uh, so he's kind of like a Uru golem, which is kind of kind of what I figured. Knowing that naught could harm him, he soon lashed out, and it shows Urak coming out, and uh, and he's completely naked in statue form, and he's, he's chasing the other uh, trolls away. No longer can Urak be threatened. Tis he who now threatens, says Urak, and he's chasing all the uh, trolls away. Driven from our cavernous homes, we were forced to attack the surface world. Thunder God, thy goal is to protect Asgard. Mine is to regain my kingdom. We can do both by defeating Urak. And we come back to the present, and Thor is slamming uh, Mjolnir against Urak's forehead, and Urak is like, Bah! Urak is undefeatable. Only those who surrender to me have any hope for survival. Never, says Thor. The god of thunder defers to none. With hammer in hand and courage in heart, I shall find a way to vanquish thee. So swears the mighty Thor. And they start running away from Urak, who's chasing them and knocking down stalactites and rocks and so forth as they go. And he's pretty hot on their trail. Grendor's out front and, and Thor's just behind. Ignorant youth, behold what thy boisterous tongue hath wrought. In his madness to reach us, Urak will smash anything in his path. Our only hope is to cross the chasm of eternal sorrow and lose him in the twisting tunnels which lie ahead. And they're heading back over the, the big bridge, the Dr. Susian kind of bridge from last time. No, Grundor, says Thor. The god of thunder shall make his final stand, here and now. And he turns to face uh, Urak, and the king is uh, cowering behind Thor and says, Hast thou taken leave of thy senses? Mayhap, says Thor. Strike, Urak. Strike or die, says Thor. Thou art a suicidal as well as an apt guardian. Urak will crush thee like a... And there's a giant karak as Urak smashes the rock bridge. And the rock bridge breaks. And Thor grabs uh, Grendor and goes flying off uh, with him. And leaving Urak to fall into the bottomless chasm uh, because he broke the bridge. Very stereotypical way for a monster to die, but anyway, as they fly off. Courage, Grundor, thou shalt not fall. The depths of this bottomless cavern are for Urak alone to explore. Those who strike in anger must e'er pay such a fearful price. Well done, exalted one, says Grundor. Not for a moment did Grundor truly doubt thee. Methinks this could be the start of a beautiful friendship. Mayhaps, says Thor. So be it. And that is the Tales of Asgard story in its complete form. Uh, so, all right. And that is The Mighty Thor number 408. And we'll be talking all about this issue right after this. How Star Wars 
Hi, I'm Josiah. And I'm Mike. And we're the hosts of How Star Wars Is It? It's a podcast where we rate and review things like movies. But not of how good or bad they are. Yeah, no, how Star Wars they are. And what does that mean, you might ask? It's a little something like this. If Star Wars was Everybody Loves Raymond, this is King of Queens. If Chris Farley was still around... Yeah, Kevin James wouldn't exist. I have a game. It is called Sebulba or Bulbasaur. <laughs> yeah, when and he that... was a Palpatine. Do we have like an animated show that we could pitch? The Emperor and, and his Palpatine. And it takes Count Dooku is around his age, plus yeah, or minus like, a decade. Maybe like Count Dooku. That's really funny. <laughs> if that sounded good... Or Star Wars. Then check us out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts at How Star Wars Is It? And like we always say... May the 4th be with you. And we're back. And, of course, we're going to talk about the issue. I'm going to start out, though, with this two-part Tales of Asgard thing that we just covered. And it's notable, uh, not just because it's the the beautiful penciling of Mike Mignola, which we'll get to in a bit, but it's a well-told story overall. And I would go so far as to say it's a very well-told story. It's not that the plot is original, because it's really kind of not. It's really sort of generic. But we have some nice characterization here. We've got this character of, of you know, Grundor the Greater, who is an amusing little character. I mean, he's, he's well-portrayed. And we have young Thor now... They try to play up his youthfulness, but he really, in the art, just kind of looks like older Thor, maybe slightly younger. So, I mean, not so different from the, from the Thor we're used to. And I'm not seeing a lot of lesson being learned here other than, oh, well, Thor's fighting a, an Uru monster, which is something that's really hard to defeat. And basically, it's still the same character. So, but... The, uh, the thing that really sets it apart is the artwork of Mike Mignola. And we've talked a lot about Mike Mignola's artwork in the past. We even talked to about Mike Mignola when we were interviewing Scott Collins at C2E2 a few years ago um, because of the, the work that he did that's very reminiscent of, of Mike Mignola. But this is just a, a beautifully drawn story. And the storytelling is very compelling. I mean, you know, every bit of this is believable. Here's a, an artist who, you know, obviously drew this story in a fairly short period of time, but instead of just leaving the backgrounds blank, and, and a lot of the backgrounds are very minimal here, but he actually did kind of just draw these lines to indicate where everything was, and it's so skillfully done that it doesn't feel like you're being shortchanged on the backgrounds, even though you might just have one line or two lines delineating the background. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Mike Mignola's work, and it's not something that we see on Thor very much. So um, really liking the, the, the story in general. So I thought that it was definitely worth it to go ahead and tell the second half of the story, you know, even though eventually if we ever get to, to Thor 408, uh, we're going to have a short episode because of that. But uh, we'll worry about that when we get to it. It's not the worst problem to have. Uh, as far as the main story goes, it's fine. It's, it's the wrap-up of the, the current ongoing storyline. Uh, it is, I guess, consistent with the rest of the story. We have a you know, ramification here that now 
uh, Thor and Eric Masterson are sharing the same body, much like Thor and Don Blake were sharing the this kind of the same thing. Now, the difference between Don Blake and Eric Masterson is that Eric Masterson is a real person. Now, this is not the last time that we'll see this because we'll see this again much later on in Thor Volume 2. Uh, Artwork-wise, again, it's Ron Friends in Kirby mode, Joe Sinnott doing the inking. The art looks great. Uh, there's not a lot to complain about here. Hercules looks great. Thor looks great. Uh, the High Evolutionary looks smaller than normal, but that you know, I guess that's great, uh, whatever. And we have a, a new dangling plot thread here with the High Evolutionary taking off into space, uh, going to the Black Galaxy or whatever. Now, the Black Galaxy... Yeah, I think by all accounts is kind of hard to get to. My impression has always been that the high evolutionary is mainly a geneticist. So where'd he get the star spanning warp ship to take him to the black galaxy? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> maybe they explained it somewhere else that I haven't read. But uh, yeah, it's fine. And we have kind of a, a new beginning and and kind of a good place where we can just kind of leave off and and maybe in a future year come back to this. All right, so that is the end of this issue and the end of this program. So once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to email us, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard.gmail.com. You can also join us over on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>